It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get A through it. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, your host. We got a great one in store. Coming up during the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk a little bit about this weekend's big game with uh, sportscaster and writer Tom Skinner. He'll be uh, joining us for that. And uh, before that, we're going to talk with... um, the authors of a new book about seeing, understanding, and ending U.S. poverty. Uh, the book is Broken America. My guests will be uh, Joanne Goldblum and Colleen Shaddix. But first, we're going to talk about love. And uh, we're, to do that, we're going to have the uh, a clinical psychologist uh, who's been specializing in relationships for over 30 years. He's authored a new book called Learn to Love. And he joins me now by phone, Dr. Thomas Jordan. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Tom. Um, let's let's talk about uh, love a little bit. Um, you mentioned that that fifty percent uh, of marriages end in divorce. That that statistic mm-hmm. has been in place for a long time, and of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm I have a couple of uh, ex-wives to prove that that uh, <laughs> that point but um but let's talk about that what are what are we getting wrong 50% of the time well i think people don't know what they've learned about love relationships in their lives as a consequence of the relationship experiences they've had um Unfortunately, a lot of that learning is unconscious, and it happens earlier in life, and as a consequence, uh, 
People can repeat unhealthy uh, love life disappointments. Um, that was one of the things that uh, propelled me to write this book because over the course of, uh, of my work, I recognized that there are a lot of people coming to my office with repeated love life uh, disappointments, um, finding the same kind of people over and over again, same familiar issues, same disappointing consequences. So I think that's part of the problem. Becoming aware of what you've learned about love relationships from the relationship experiences you've had in your life is a very important first step in being able to get control over your love life. Is sexual attraction the magnet for a uh, healthy love relationship, or is there a different different magnet, and, and we're not sure which to follow? Yeah. In the book, I make a, a big point that the book is not about love. The book is about love relationships, the relationships we form when we fall in love. Love is, is a wonderful emotion. It's, uh, it's, it's got a lot of desire and attraction in it. Sex is a big part of that attraction. Um, but it's unpredictable. It's uncontrollable. We can fall in love several times in life. It's, uh, it's a wonderful emotion, but that's not the part that we're in control of. I, I fall um, in love the all the time. Yes, that's that's a wonderful example of it, right? Uh, but but the problem with love is the type of relationship we set up when we fall in love. If you grow up, for example, in a home where you've witnessed, uh, God forbid, abuse or neglect or dishonesty, uh, say between your parents, um, in your family, um, at a very young age, it's uh, unfortunately often the case that people will learn that that's part of a love relationship. That's what occurs in a love relationship. And as a consequence, they can seek partners to recreate that. Um, they themselves can bring dishonesty or neglect into their adult love life. And that's how these patterns get replicated and recreated again and again in adulthood. Um, so becoming aware that this is happening, it's very important. And, you know, learning is a wonderful asset. We, we possess the ability to learn from the beginning of life all the way to the end, and if we learn something, we can unlearn it once we become aware of what we've learned. Is it possible to have healthy love relationships other than romantic ones and still be unlucky at love, as they say? Um, I... Yeah, I would think so. That could happen. I mean, um, I'm just I'm wondering meeting. if some of the things that we that we miss in our romantic relationships um, are also present in other love relationships between parents and children and siblings and so on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think love, healthy love, has friendship in it. Healthy love has partnership in it. Um, so I think it's possible to have love uh, in your life, but be unlucky in terms of meeting someone to have romantic love. Uh, and so that, that, that's possible. Um, I mean, if you're involved in life and you're meeting people, the chances go up uh, that that chemistry will show up. Um, I think it's, uh, it's part of being involved in life. Um, my concern is the kind of relationship people set up when they feel that in love feeling. Um, it's possible to set up an unhealthy relationship that doesn't nurture 
the love that you're experiencing. Do opposites attract? Uh, I've seen it many times. Uh, in my own marriage, I think <laughs> my wife and I, are, my wife and I are compatible, but in certain areas we're very different. Um, and I think that opposites can attract. It can also be a source of some conflict and disagreement as well. But you know, ironing out differences in a relationship in a marriage is very important. That the problem uh, solution uh, thing that husbands and wives have to do is very much a part of a healthy marriage. So I think differences can attract, but they can also be sources of difficulty that people have to learn how to work with. What about what about some of the uh, the the old adages uh, that that women are looking for their fathers and men are looking for their mothers when they when they seek out a uh, a life partner? Um, you know that I think that's a, a coded understanding that needs to be broken down a little bit more. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is that say if I'm looking for my mother chances are uh, what that really means is I've learned something from my mother that I've integrated into my love life, probably without awareness, and I'm looking to repeat it. And uh, you've just put your finger on something that was also a reason why I wrote this book, Learn to Love. Um, I wrote it because I changed my own love life in the course of a personal treatment experience when I was younger. Um, my... Uh, therapist said to me very directly, you seem to be using your mother as a template in your love life. And uh, my mother was uh, an unhappy person, depressed and controlling. And uh, I tended to find depressed and controlling people in my love life, or I assumed they were in some instances as well. And it was a repetitive disappointment, one after the other. So in my early 30s, I became aware of this, and I was able to back away from dating a little bit, take a look at it, realize why I was carrying this pattern from my earlier childhood into my adult love life, and I made a change, and I found an independent, not controlling woman, got married, and I've been married for 27 years. So I wanted to write a book, a guidebook, that helps people become aware that there's things they can do about their love life. But here's the important point, and I introduced this concept in the book. Uh, doctor, doctor I, hate to, I hate to interrupt, but I have to go to a break here. Can you stand by for a few minutes so we can dig down some more? Yes, on this? sir. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir. My guest is uh, Dr. Thomas Jordan. He is a uh, clinical psychologist and the author of a new book called Learn to love. We're going to take a short break. Let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have a few messages as well. Then we'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. 
Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is clinical psychologist and author, Dr. Thomas Jordan, and he joins me by phone. Uh, Doctor, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
we were talking uh, about relationships as you do in the book during the uh, the last segment. You mentioned that you'd been married for 27 years, and I wanted to commend you on that. I only made it 21, and it took me two wives to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep at it. Keep at it. <laughs> Keep trying until you get it right. Is that the... <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, why not? <laughs> um but but what about that? We we mentioned uh, sort of parenthetically that fifty uh, percent of marriages end in divorce. Um, it, there's a, there's a line from an episode of uh, Mash where Henry Blake uh, um, is overheard in a, in a party set, uh, setting talking to some young nurse, and he says, "What does love have to do with marriage?" Um, what does love have to do with marriage, or vice versa? Maybe is the better way to ask it. Uh, well, love love is the attractant. Love is the uh, love is the force that brings us together. What we do when we come together is a separate matter. Um, that's the marriage. The love is the uh, inducement, uh, the desire, the interest, the unite uniting. Uh, Mother Nature takes care of that part. Uh, that's the chemistry. Uh, the question is, uh, what do we do when we get together? That's the marriage. Marriage is about relationship, what we expect, what we bring to the table. Uh, in the book, I talk about the psychological love life, and I introduce that concept, which I think is vital to this issue of uh, getting control over your love life, because your love life begins on the inside, and what I mean by that is uh, we all have a psychological love life. Uh, you can think of it as the place in your mind that stores the relationship experiences that have affected uh, your beliefs and how you behave in love, um, and it's in there. Uh, a lot of people are not aware of what's in their psychological love life. And in the book, I try to put together a guide to help people identify what's in their psychological love life. So if you've learned something unhealthy, the idea is to unlearn it and replace it with something healthier, which brings your love life in a totally different direction. With, um, you know, I often wonder if, if marriage isn't sometimes the problem, um, because it, it seems like it's more of a legal designation and not really based on the quality of a relationship? Uh, well, I think you can be married emotionally and not necessarily legally. Um, I think marriage, emotional, the emotional commitment two people can set up with each other is much larger than the legal. Uh, there are people that are successfully together for many years who are not married, but committed to each other, uh, a mutual agreement to be committed to each other, and that's love. That's being in love, and that's very respectable, and as far as I'm concerned, they're married. Uh, but marriage has a legal definition, and when you introduce the legality of it, you're going into, you know, the technical aspects of being married. But... Uh, I think of marriage itself as an emotional word uh, in its essence. Uh, it's, the, it's the commitment people make to each other, which, by the way, permits a certain depth to occur between two people, um, a depth that I think uh, 
is uh, the in-love experience being nurtured and developed and grown over time. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of uh, societal pressure on couples to be married. It's it's often difficult to figure out how to refer to one's life partner if not using the husband and wife designations. Uh, it's interesting to see that play out in um, in gay marriages um, uh-huh. using the same terminology and and so on um and and we said 50 percent of uh, marriages end in divorce and i always used to joke that you know all divorces start with marriage but um, <laughs> right but but let's talk about what what love is and 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 what marriage is um is you know i've I've had people say well that's not love that's lust um where does lust fit in to an evolving or or potential love relationship uh lust i believe is the uh, uh one word that helps us understand what the attractant what the desire is about um, the chemistry if sex, you will the chemistry, yes. The sexual chemistry. It's there. It's very powerful. Uh, it brings people together. Um, and uh, sex is a wonderful activity that uh, sparks the in-love possibility. But I think, um, I think one of the ways we can differentiate some of these terms is, uh, you know, the, the little word in before love, in love, is... Uh, very important little word. Um, oftentimes people will say to me, you know, I, I, I love him or I love her, but I'm not in love with him or her. Uh, in love being the deeper, more meaningful state. Um, it's almost, it's, it almost uh, it illustrates, you know, getting into something in love. Um, and it's usually exclusive when people say they're in love with someone. That's a very special designation. Um, so I, I, I see it along a continuum, you know, I mean, lust, lust is, has a lot of extra implications in it. I mean, lust, uh, a little bit stronger than desire or attraction. Um, it, it, it almost suggests a sexual desire out of control, um, or uh, a little extra intense. Um, so. But I, I think of these things along a continuum, you know, being attracted to someone, being drawn to someone, the sexual interest will be there as part of it. Uh, I think also people can be drawn to personality, uh, differences or similarities or both. And, uh, and then we get to the area of relationship, the type of relationship they're going to set up with each other in love. And that's, I think, where the problems occur. That's where the 50% divorce problem shows up because you can be in love with somebody but set up an unhealthy relationship that doesn't nurture but interferes with that love that, that you're feeling and that the other person's feeling. And I think that uh, that 50% divorce rate that keeps uh, more or less 50% keeps hanging around, to me, 
it, what that says is that there's a lot of people who get married that don't have a good sense of what's in their psychological love life. As I married, as I mentioned a few moments ago, the psychological love life is, you know, what kind of expectations, what uh, what learning has taken place uh, that they're bringing to the relationship that is healthy or unhealthy. Knowing what you've learned about love relationships from your relationship experiences in your life. It's very important to make an in-love feeling last and be healthy. And you mentioned in the, in the first segment, um, Doctor, that, that examples that are set for us, possibly early in life, maybe the relationship our parents had. Um, I, I remember, uh, you know, in, in my life, my, uh, my mother and father were very... Um, very affectionate toward each other and and visibly so um not 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 in a weird and creepy way but um (laughs) but but they but they were demonstrably fond of each other and yet my my dad died when i was pretty young so i didn't get to see that play out for very long but it it still was a powerful impression. Um, uh-huh. When people, and, and I'm glad you said that about in being a much bigger word than it sounds like when, when people say they're in love with someone, um, that can wear off in a marriage. Mm. You can be yeah. very much in love at the beginning, and there's there are these wonderful feelings and and desires, and and you want to spend all your time with that person, and then that kind of wears off. How do people prevent that feeling dissipating? Um, well, you know, love does change over time. Uh, love can leave over time and that's the a part of the unpredictable uncontrollable nature of it but love can be taken care of as well um and i guess the mystery of love is the fact that all of these things are possible but if you take care of the in love feeling what that means is that uh you don't neglect love you pay attention to it you rekindle it in various ways i think uh um as a married man, um, thinking of uh, dating my wife is an important concept. Well, especially and now married. during the uh, pandemic, when Absolutely. people are, are, you know, sheltering at home, they're together 24-7, and, and, and we've become sort of casual with this lockdown nature. And, uh-huh. um, and maybe it does take a, a special designation you know, pick pick a night and do things differently. Oh, absolutely! Would. Even without a even without a pandemic, I would suggest that absolutely, um, because uh, sometimes love wanes, the in love feeling wanes because the routines of life take over, and there's neglect. Uh, you got kids, you're busy, you work a lot, and uh, and the in love feeling just dims as a consequence of not being rekindled. So that's, that's a definite. Um, and that's something that when you become aware of the need to do that, it's important. 
there is a lot of stress on relationships right now as a consequence of the pandemic, and people are are, are struggling with that. Um, there's also opportunities as well, interestingly enough. You know, in crisis, we human beings oftentimes develop things we wouldn't develop otherwise. So um, if you can develop an ability to talk to your spouse because you're forced to be together a little longer than usual because of a pandemic. I mean, that's an opportunity. Uh, maybe you worked more, and I, I can understand the stresses of not having a job or something like that, but if you're spending time with someone, a little extra time with someone, and you make a better connection with them, or you, you find a way to become more intimate emotionally with that person you're spending extra time with, that's an opportunity. So um, it could go either way. Now, you mentioned, you know, we we can we can learn, we can unlearn, and, and you sort of touched on parenthetically uh, this notion of attraction and how we might uh, be attracted to the same person over and over again, um, which may not be the best fit for us. Right. Um, how do we... How do you go about uh, unlearning something as as base as uh, an attraction, a type that people uh, like? Yeah, um, I uh, I suggest uh, the unlearning method, which is a three step method I talk about in the book. The first step is to identify what's in your psychological love life, and what that means is you're going to think about what the uh, unhealthy relationship experiences you might have had in life and, uh, and what you've learned from them. And in the book, I offer a, uh, a guide to being able to define, clarify that information. For example, if you grew up in a home where there was uh, dishonesty, uh, maybe there was cheating, and uh, that had an impression on you, and as a consequence, you're drawn to people who don't commit, um, and you've, you've had this experience repeatedly in your love life. Um, it's important to be able to connect the dots and understand that something earlier in life, perhaps the cheating of a parent, um, had an influence in a negative way on your love life, and you've learned that uh, love and dishonesty are in some way mixed together and they show up in your love life in that form. So identifying what's in your psychological love life is the first step. Um, the second is to be able to disrupt these beliefs and this behavior. And uh, we possess the ability, we human beings possess the wonderful ability to become conscious of ourselves. And through that consciousness, we can challenge ourselves. We can question our behavior we can question what we believe and, and decide not to do something over and over again practice not doing something over and over again so that kind of challenge strengthened through practice uh, for example people i've had people in my practice become aware that they're say they're replicating that dishonesty i mentioned and they'll talk about a couple of relationships where the disappointment has reoccurred They've chosen people who cheated on them, and um, 
suffered as a consequence of that. Uh, once they become aware of the feelings, once they become aware of how unhealthy it is and it's connected to something they've learned earlier in life, that ability to challenge themselves gets stronger. And they realize, okay, these are the signs I got to look out for. These are the behaviors I've got to become sensitive to. This is the type of person I, I've got to stay away from. And that learning, that, that challenging of oneself, that, that sensitivity, that strengthening, that permits a person to begin challenging what's in their psychological love life and moving in a new direction. Step three is to practice the opposite of what you've learned. So, uh, for example, in this example we're talking about, if a person ha uh, uh, has a tendency to choose uh, uh, people who can't commit, people who, who are dishonest in their love lives, then being aware of the importance of honesty, the importance of honesty in a healthy love relationship is very important. Um, and being able to practice the opposite and select people who show evidence of doing the same I believe that's a practice that moves your relationship in a healthy direction. And uh, I've witnessed it in my own love life. I've witnessed it in my work with people. And I think it's a three-step method that produces very realistic results and change. And, and what about maintaining the change? Um, is is a positive outcome, a, a better relationship reward enough to keep you from changing back to your old habits? Well, I'll use myself as an example. I, I spoke a little earlier today about the changes I made. I moved away from dependency and control to independence and a relationship where you're not controlling each other. Um, and I found that that is a much better relationship. I didn't learn that in my, in my family of origin. I didn't learn about uh, that a woman could be independent, for example, and not controlling. I had a lot of that in my relationship with my mother, and that's what shaped my, uh, my psychological love life. So when I made that change and I became sensitive to the need to find independence and a person who wasn't controlling, um, I met my wife. Um, and uh, uh, she and I... Uh, have a relationship where there's mutual independence and there's no controlling. Uh, there's trust, and that's a hell of a lot better than control. And so uh, sustaining the change is easier when you realize that um, what you have now uh, is a healthy love relationship and you can keep that going. It's got, it's, it's got built-in positives, you know, and you feel it right away. Is um, the the auditing of our psychological love makeup something that could be done um, by by a person themselves, or does it require some some research and in exploring things with the people that have influenced them over their lives? Uh. I think that um, I was hoping in, in, in writing this book that uh, people would become aware of their psychological love life and be able to change, begin to change themselves. And, you know, individuals are different. Some people might find it easier to do it uh, by reading 
and applying uh, the uh, ideas to their own love life. And I wrote the book in such a way as it can be a step-by-step guidebook to give people a chance to become aware and begin the process of change. And how far they go, I guess, depends on the individual. Uh, some people, as you mentioned, might want to um, talk with and explore with people who have influenced their love life. And that can be a positive experience, or it could be a disappointing one, unfortunately. I've had, for example, uh, patients that uh, unfortunately had sexual trauma in their lives and and reached a point in the healing experience to uh, go back to the family of origin and confront people who are involved in those traumatic experiences. And in many cases, it uh, turned out to be a positive uh, conversation, interaction, but unfortunately, in some instances, it was not. But the most important part of it is that the person was now in a healing experience and uh, was looking for ways to promote that healing and wanted to confront um, the traumatic experience that had occurred earlier in their lives. So um, it's a growth experience in and of itself. But how the, the, the ways in which people go about making these changes uh, depends. I mean, some people uh, might uh, benefit from a therapy experience. Uh, say, for example, they read the book, become aware that they've learned something unhealthy from unhealthy relationship experiences they've had early in life, and they read the book and they start changing, but they realize that some of the some of the feelings involved are, are painful or difficult. So seeking out a counseling or therapy experience where they focus on their love life and to get a little support as they go through that process is, is a wonderful thing to do, and it's uh, very helpful, and there are people who, who, uh, who do that. People come into my practice oftentimes having read the book and uh, will ask for help to make those changes that I talk about in the book. So um, I think there's various approaches. Well, Doctor, we uh, we have to wrap it up there. Um, the, my, my guest is uh, Dr. Thomas Jordan, and the name of the book is Learn to Love, Guide to Healing Your Disappointing Love Life. When I first read that, um, I, I, I thought, oh, my, he's written a book just for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, um, Doctor, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, the book is a great place to start, Learn to Love, by Thomas Jordan, Ph.D. Um, but, uh, Tom, do you have a, uh, a website? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's called lovelifelearningcenter.com. And I got a lot of articles on there that are uh, useful for people who are interested in a healthy love life. And uh, you can find out more information about the book there as well. Well, Dr. Jordan, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning and uh, sharing your thoughts. Thank you for inviting me, Tom. Thank you. Take care. Again, that was uh, Dr. Thomas Jordan. He is a clinical uh, psychologist and psychoanalyst in private practice on the upper side. Uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan, and his uh, book is called Learn to Love. We'll be back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, 
Take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this 
is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The play that I want to tell you about is that Romeo and Juliet. Now, there is a real thing. It's... It's a story about how this boy and girl was in love of one another, don't you see? It is. And everything would have been all right for them except that their daddies didn't get along. They didn't. And when the play opens, Juliet's daddy is throwing this big fancy dress ball and he invited the whole town to be there, but he didn't invite none of Romeo's people to come. And his buddies learnt of it and they put him up to slipping on a costume and slipping in at this party. And he was a spunky kind of a boy, and he done it. I think. He done it, and he got in there, and everything was a-going good, till all of a sudden, this girl, Juliet, come down the stairs. And he was so struck by her that he give a soliloquy right there. He did. And it wasn't about being or not being. It was about doing or not doing. <laughs> well, the do's, they won out over the don'ts. And so what he done, he got her by the hand and started to take her out in the yard. And we'll never know what it was that there's going to do out there. We won't because this fella Tybalt recognized Romeo for who he was and come up on him a trying to pick a fight. But uh, Juliet's daddy, he didn't want no bloodshed right there in his living room. He didn't. So all he done, he run Romeo off. But uh, Romeo didn't go straight home. No, he didn't. He went out and hid in the yard till everybody left the party. And then when they had all went, he popped up and looked around. And he seen this light come on away off yonder. And he says to himself, he says, hark. He says, what light by yonder window shines? <laughs> he did. And, and let me tell you, Juliet step, stepped out of her bedroom window onto this stoop. And uh, she give a soliloquy. She did, friends, and somewhere in it, somewhere in it, she says, Romeo, Romeo. She says, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And he popped up and says, I'm right here. I thank you. I thank you. Well, as it happened, there was this great big pea vine growing up to where she is a standing. <laughs> and so he clumb up it. He clumb up it, and that is where they had that balcony scene. And he, they hadn't been there but just a few minutes till he asked her to marry him. And that shows that he was an honorable boy about it all. <laughs> Well, she says when, and he's... 
Well, he says now, and that shows that he wasn't up there for no light courting. He wanted to get on with it. <laughs> Back then, the reason everybody lived in castles was that there was so many of them to put up at nights. Well, there was so many of them there that they had to keep a preacher on duty day and night. <laughs> Fella Friar Lawrence was his name. And so Romeo and Juliet, they went downstairs and woke him up and told him what it was that they wanted to do, and he thought that was all right. So he married them right there. But then, don't you see, it was a question of where they was to spend the night, things being how they, how they was and all. And uh, Friar Lawrence told Romeo that he ought to go on home that night. And uh, Romeo, he didn't take to it too hot. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't, but he did. He went on home that night, and, and then Romeo thought that he'd better go off and lay low till things cooled off. And while he is gone, friends, Juliet's mama took a great notion that Juliet ought to get married. And then she was in a bind. She was. Because she didn't want two husbands because she figured that Romeo would be enough to take care of by self. And so she went back down to Friar Lawrence to see what she ought to do. And he mixed her up a drink, and she drunk it, and she fell out across the bed there, and everybody thought she is dead. And they had this big, pretty funeral and laid her out in this family tomb and all. And before that Friar Lawrence could get word to Romeo that she wasn't really dead, some of them mean boys that lived in that town told him that she was dead. And he figured life didn't hold nothing for him. So he went out and got him this big can of light to drink. So he went over to this tomb where it was she was laid out, and he opened the door of it, and he says, Oh, my love, oh, my wife. He did. And he went in, and he drunk the lie and kissed her and says, With this kiss, I die. And he fell out across to that. And uh, he was a big boy for his age. <laughs> he was. And the impact of him, a falling on her, woke her up. And she woke up, didn't know what was going on, and she looked there and seen Romeo laying dead. And then she figured life didn't hold nothing for her. And then she took his knife and run it into herself, and she expired. <laughs> she did, friends. And the moral of it is, if you've got a boy that courts a girl that you don't like, or the other way around, if you don't want the expense of a double funeral on you, the best thing for you to do is to let them have a cheap wedding. <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
place in the church where a wedding has been Lives in a dream way by the window Wearing the faces she keeps in the jar by the door Who is it for all the lonely people Where do they all come from All the lonely people Where do they all belong Father McKenzie Writing the words of a sermon And no one will hear No one come near Look at him working Darning his socks in the night When there's nobody there What does he care All the lonely people Where do they all come from All the lonely people Where do they all belong from the grave No one was saved All the lonely people Where do they all come from All the lonely people Where do they all belong program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 
It's 